0: Welcome to BTEC B Talk, a podcast series from the Biomass Thermal Energy Council. I'm Joe Seymour, BTEC Program Coordinator for Policy and Governmental Affairs. In our monthly podcast, BTEC interviews key decision makers and pioneers of the biomass energy industry. This project is made possible by a grant from the U.S. Forest Services Wood Education and Resource Center. In our ninth broadcast, we discuss public perceptions of biomass thermal energy focusing specifically on attitudes towards residential heating appliances and attitudes among the professional engineering trades. Joining us first is John Karakesh, registered forester and manager and founder of Resource Professionals Group. John has worked in logging and sawmilling, taught forestry at the secondary level, and been active in field forestry consulting for more than 20 years. In 2010, John co-authored a report, Architects and Energy Professionals, The Missing Link in Wood Energy that sought to understand factors-driving decisions about HVAC equipment specification using a national online survey of building energy design professionals. John, my first question. I understand that you've looked at the integration of biomass heating in commercial settings with the engineering trade as the interface. How does the engineering sector view biomass heating?
1: It depends on exactly where the individual is in their education and what they already have have uh, been exposed to initially they are suspicious they don't know much about it but as soon as they learn what has been done in Europe with commercial class buildings to eliminate or reduce the dependence on foreign oil and natural gas with this natural resource sustainably they're extremely expensive. Excited about it because it can help them reach something that the building design industry is calling net zero energy on-site which is a shift toward renewables and a shift away from grid supplied energy either as natural gas oil or Electricity so they're they're excited about it, but they still need to learn a lot about it
0: John my second question What federal initiatives would help HVAC professionals incorporate biomass thermal technologies in building energy design standards when it comes to renovating commercial buildings?
1: Well, I mentioned the word suspicion in the the first question we were talking about. Suspicion matters here a couple different ways. The engineering people are the interface between the developers and owners of buildings and the people who actually build them. They're the ones that define what goes into a building as far as the equipment goes. And so if the manufacturers of the wood energy equipment, for example, have not become a part of the energy organizations that the energy design people and the specifiers of the equipment are a part of, they don't know each other. That creates suspicion. They are made more suspicious by the fact that the federal support for this renewable energy source that can be so dramatically beneficial is non-existent except through one of three involved agencies. The US Department of Agriculture, the Forest Service have had an aggressive biomass promotion program but it's been called biomass, it hasn't been called energy. The Department of Energy has stayed completely out of any form of public education or promotion of biomass in ways is truly detrimental. They have made some money over time available, especially after the 1979 oil crisis. There was money put into the regional biomass programs, which they later defunded in the late 1990s, just when we were starting to need it again. The absence of cohesive, uniform integrated task force approach to meet the thermal needs, the energy needs of this country in heat and cooling that make up more than 40 percent of our overall consumption of gas and oil doesn't make sense to them and they're the very people that are most important in convincing users because if the Department of Energy and the US EPA stand on the sidelines and watch the market take its path. They are not choosing winners of the other technologies, but they are certainly helping define biomass as a loser that it does not deserve to be.
0: Moving on, uh, what do building engineers see as the greatest barrier to installing biomass heating devices? Are they even aware of the technology's possible use in commercial settings?
1: We'll start with the second part of that first. They may have heard about systems that in some cases worked and in some cases didn't, but their concerns are that since their resource for information, which is the American Society of Heating, Refrigeration, and Air Conditioning Engineers database, does not include information, they don't have anywhere to look, and that just makes them see this as something offering far less reward than there is risk to them because they're working for a developer and they do not want to get a phone call from the developer that says, you know, Fred, that system just has not given us the heat output we were told it would have. If they had support from the industry through joining ASHRAE, through publishing data, through certifications, that are common and consistent across all the other fuel types of systems. We could give them that comfort because it's been demonstrated in Europe that it can be done and we just so far in this country need to do that to encourage them and we need to treat them like people. They become very interested when they learn about the European successes as I said before and commercial class buildings are something they need a great deal of help with because you can build solar into new designs and new structures. When you have existing commercial class buildings like strip shopping centers, office buildings, you can only do so much with the square footage that they've got, especially with tall buildings. And biomass is the one option that exists to supply carbon neutral renewable energy for heat and cooling in those buildings.
0: Tailing back on the initial question, what do building engineers see as the greatest barrier to installing biomass heating devices?
1: Among the barriers that, that I've heard explained, and, and this in the survey that we completed with architects and engineers, both in small meetings and in the online uh, portion of that survey, they they named several different things. One of them was the fact that they don't know enough about fuel and where it comes from, and the fact that the industry has not integrated the fuel supply people. And the standards for that fuel, no matter what they are, if it's consistent, they can put hardware in to meet to meet the needs. But when it's inconsistent and when they don't know enough about it, it makes it very difficult for them as the engineering and design professionals to recommend a system to a developer. If a developer has heard about a successful woody biomass thermal project. What happens today is if they go to an architect or an engineer, specifically the design specifying engineer, and ask them to look at it, they'll say I'll look at the information and I'll get back to you. And when they go to their sources and they don't find it, it's a problem. ASHRAE's database includes fuel characteristics and standards and heat output and it includes equipment and it expresses an interest, requires interest in uh, consistent performance and approaches that can be used in design and published data. And with that data not there, those people are, meaning the uh, engineers, are very unwilling to go out on a limb and push something because they don't get anything for it, but they are on the hook if something goes wrong.
0: So John, what can be done to expand the view of HVAC engineers to include wood as a renewable heating option in commercial class buildings?
1: The what can be done can be asked in a second way, which is who can make a difference in making biomass a sustainably available resource fuel and the equipment. And a part of that actually begins with the people who make the equipment up until now the manufacturers have treated their industry as an independent separate source of energy having nothing to do with the rest of heat and energy output in this country that by not joining the organizations they've not gotten to know what concerns the people who would be their buyers their buyers are really the engineers and the architects and those folks all belong to the professional energy organizations so if the manufacturers and the service people join Ashray, just get to know the people, that back and forth will make a tremendous difference in building trust, that's, that's the one key. The second thing that they need to do is take the existing hardware that has created problems, and in this area I mean some of the commercial class size equipment that has had mechanical issues they've heard about, and eliminating the particulate emissions, that heavy smoke that comes from the outdoor wood boilers, that is seen across the country as a negative. And anybody that even considers this, the first time they hear wood heat, that's one of the first things that they focus right in on. And the first thing we have to tell them is well, we're really not talking about that smoky, unclean type of problem system. These are advanced and they operate cleanly and then they don't operate. Third thing is is to publish information that's not just promotional, but that is is the design specifications that is the kind of uh, resource that architects and engineers typically need for any system. The fourth thing that they can do is key is the third leg of the tripod, and that is the fuel side. People over time, in selling wood energy equipment, have historically sold the equipment and walked away, leaving the owner, leaving the developer to go find their own fuel. That is not something that's done in any of the other types of energy. The natural gas, the oil people all sell equipment. You can buy it separately or you can buy it from them, and it's all consistent, and it's a vertically integrated, continuous-spectrum of services from start to finish, there's never a feeling of discomfort. And if the manufacturers and the public advocates, like the organizations that represent the manufacturers, such as BTEC, if the federal government all get on the same page and start to acknowledge what needs to be done to solve these problems, it will be to become a much easier fix.
0: Finally, John Do you have any recommendations or thoughts for those selling equipment and looking to work with engineering professionals?
1: Architects and engineers see buildings from a long-term standpoint, and when they specify equipment that goes in the building, among the concerns they've heard voiced by the developers and owners is the need to get service right now from anybody I can call in a standardized way, along with design performance and knowing they're going to get the heat from it that they're expecting. they also need to know that if there does turn into a, a, a problem does develop and there's a breakdown that they can call local service people and get it saw sol- get the problem solved even if it's a weekend and even if the manufacturer is somewhere else, they can get that with oil and gas. they can't get it right now in their view with wood. Some of the residential equipment that's, that's out there today, the modern, advanced things that John is talking about, offer that. And that's one of the reasons that there's been such growing success for residential systems.
0: Thanks, John, for those thoughts and that analysis of barriers for the professional trades and methods for overcoming those impediments. As John Kershkash just noted, residential biomass thermal appliances have made noticeable advances in efficiency and emissions. For perspective on attitudes towards residential heating with biomass, is John Ackerley, the president of the not-for-profit Alliance for Green Heat, an organization promoting clean, burning, efficient, affordable wood heating options. John has over 25 years of experience in advocacy and nonprofit management. In 2010, the Alliance for Green Heat circulated a survey with Antioch University, New England to solicit attitudes on wood heating, garnering nearly 900 responses from 37 states. John, my first question, why did you feel the need to initiate a study regarding biomass residential heating?
2: Well, we initiated that one and we've done another one since then, a smaller one, to really explore the public perceptions of wood heat because that will help inform us what consumers need to know, what policymakers need to know to um, move move the issue forward. There's a lot of misperceptions out there, and until we understand uh, what people know, what people think, what people think they know, it's hard to really um, address those issues.
0: What did you find regarding the environmental impact of biomass use? Did many report it as renewable, and if so, why not?
2: Well, it's it's really interesting. you know, there is widespread knowledge about wood stoves because a lot of people uh, have them a lot or, or have had them or grew up with them or their parents or grandparents had them. And so there is a, a general uh, awareness that they produce particulates. Um, and there is somewhat of an awareness that pellet stoves uh, produce fewer particulates. However, um, a lot of people's knowledge is very old. A lot of people are know about the stoves that were in circulation 20 or 30 years ago. And even though some people know about pellet stoves, there's still a very widespread lack of understanding and knowledge about pellet stoves and the emissions profiles uh, that are much lower coming from them. Now, in terms of sustainability, this is an area where we we really found um, more misperceptions. A lot of people, um, we found, uh, thought that uh, cordwood was producing, was unsustainably harvested and was uh, contributing towards uh, logging practices that uh, actually were not involved. When people think about um, harvesting wood, they often think about clear cutting. more industrial scale logging operations, which indeed are happening, uh, some of which is, we believe, unsustainable. But uh, a lot of people weren't that familiar with how cordwood is harvested and uh, felt that um, this was not sustainable. Now, what most people don't don't realize is that uh, 20 years ago, we were using two or three times as much wood. Uh, And back then, uh, it was sustainable. Now we're using a half to a third as much. And uh, in some ways we think people's um, perception that it, it's it's maybe even more of a problem. <laughs> so so clearly in the area of um, sustainability there's a lot of, there's, there's not a high lo- level of literacy. It's not to say that there's not re- any reason to be concerned, but there's not a high level of literacy about um, how much cordwood is being used, where it comes from, um, and what uh, sustainability sustainability issues are really involved.
0: John, a follow-up question. Did you see a breakdown in perceptions of environmental impact among any uh, noticeable demographics?
2: Some interesting um, things we found. We found that people living in cities think that sustainability is a much bigger issue than people living in rural areas. There's a huge gap between the two uh, populations. Um, There's also uh, a gender gap. We we found uh, more men thought it was uh, sustainable than women. And there's also a, uh, we also asked asked political affiliation and we found that there were more Democrats that uh, felt there were sustainability issues than Republicans. Now, we didn't delve into exactly what sort of sustainability issues people thought were occurring, whether it was just the volume was too much or it had impact on wildlife or water quality, or any of the other you know sustainability issues. but um, so it's still a very broad-based uh, question, but there were uh, some interesting demographic uh, trends that popped up.
0: I understand that you also posed the question of support for tax incentives. How did biomass heating rate compare to solar, wind, and geothermal technologies
2: yeah the uh the, the population group we had as I mentioned about nine hundred people, and about half of those were wood burners and quite a few in the wood burning industry uh, or I should say the thermal uh heat industry and there was clearly more people thought that solar was more deserving of incentives than Thermal biomass, which is interesting. Even within the thermal biomass industry, a lot of people thought that solar deserved more incentives. And uh, a couple uh, reasons, uh, are kind of the common ones that were cited. One is simply that um, solar is not uh, cost-effective. Uh, solar cannot stand on its feet today, given its um, its cost, uh, whereas uh, quite a few biomass systems can. And the other reason was there, there were a lot of people, and, uh, and this did break down a little bit by political affiliation, that simply didn't agree, agree with incentives and politically didn't think any, any uh, renewables should be getting incentives, including biomass, even though they are, some of these people are part of the biomass industry.
0: John, overall, did you see a significant break along demographic lines for support of wood heating in general?
2: Yeah, the biggest um uh, difference was the urban versus rural and um it was more urban
0: um
2: respondents who felt that wood was should not be incentivized and was not a uh you know as sustainable uh as it should be. Whereas rural families who use wood more and who Around wood more, and who are more connected to the wood-based uh, economy, you know, we're very much more f- favorable towards wood. So that that was a clear divide uh, that we found. We also found a, a distinguishable one, with, a little bit smaller, between men and women, where men were more favorable towards uh, thermal biomass and, uh, or specifically, residential wood eating. And lastly, there was uh, also, between uh, Democrats and Republicans, we found Republicans tended to be more favorable towards residential wood heating than Demo- Democrats.
0: Were there any takeaways or observations on how to increase support for residential heating appliance?
2: Well, clearly there needs to be more literacy around it. People, you know... Uh, you know, if you own a car, you know, you know you have to change the oil. You have to feel, check your tire pressure and get it tuned up. But, you know, the, the literature on um, wood heating, is, I think, has really dropped in this country from, from where it used to be. And so when a person buys a stove or even considers buying a stove, they're not really familiar with, you know, some of the key things around it that you, you uh, should know, you know, to get into it and, um, and, and and use it so education is really important and and I think education is probably going to come naturally as more people right now we are seeing an uptick in sales of wood stoves because the oil price is going up and with energy generally going up fossil fuel prices going up faster than uh, much faster than wood of course I think we we're seeing a resurgence of interest in wood heat. And that will bring some more knowledge back into our culture that did exist but but has been lost. Um, We also uh, believe that the EPA and DOE really need to put more resources into this. One thing we know for sure, not from my study but from uh, uh, EPA and U.S. Census and EIA, is that uh, there are 15 million wood stoves in America. But there are only about 300,000 solar panels uh, on homes. So wood heat is is by far the most popular renewable energy in America. I mean, hands down, it is, according to EIA, it creates 80% of renewable energy uh, at the residential level. It's created by wood heat, only 15% by solar, and 5% by geothermal. So we know that the capacity of wood is enormous. Uh, currently, and if you double it or triple it, which you you really could by getting stoves cleaner and uh, and taking all you know sustainability concerns into account, which is uh, very manageable, that uh, residential wood heat uh, has a far greater capacity in the short term than solar or geothermal or wind at the residential level. So, so I mean, if sorry, if, if if EPA the DOE were really to look at this, uh, look at the numbers, help the appliances get cleaner. You know, I think we'd see a lot more education flow from, uh, from those programs. And I think it's quite likely in the next 10 or 20 years that this will happen. Uh, and the more people buying stoves, is going to bring more government interest. And personally, I think more regulation is needed. These stoves uh, do need to be cleaner. They can be cleaner. Uh, uh, some of the, A lot of the, the American manufacturers have proven that they can be incredibly clean. And we're learning a lot from Europe, too, that how clean the boilers can be.
0: Finally, John, you mentioned that domestic appliances are becoming much cleaner. But to help move wood heat forward in America, are there examples abroad we can look to to help accelerate this growth?
2: One way I think that uh, wood heat in America can going to move forward is when we uh, more people look at what's happening in Europe, because uh, we've seen that in Europe they are incentivizing residential wood heat very aggressively, and it's kind of the, the opposite of what's happening in this country. As a result, you know, the jobs are being created there. Uh, their economies are growing because of it, and we're missing out on a huge opportunity and uh, I especially think U.S. environmental groups need to look more closely at how environmental groups over there really embrace this and and been able to embrace it because of the uh, much cleaner technologies. And, and that's going to really help move things forward in this country.
0: John, thanks for those closing thoughts. John Ackley and John Karakash, I appreciate both of you for sharing your findings on biomass thermal energy use. In addition to helping BTEC complete its work grant activities, really, thank you for your time today. Further information on the Resource Professionals Group and the Alliance for Green Heat can be found at resourceprofessionals.com and forgreenheat.org, respectively. More resources, including interviews and archived webinars on the biomass energy industry, are available on the BTEC website at biomassthermal.org. Thank you so much for listening.